Blog Talk Radio.
audience. Wow. I've missed you. It's so good to be back with you. This is your sister, Pearl. And I am on Reaching Out Radio tonight, the first night of October 2017. If you're uh, in the western part of the world, I know that if you're in the eastern part, you're probably already in October the 2nd. But for those of you that are here in the States and Canada, uh, North and South America, it's still October the 1st. So I just want to say good evening and welcome, welcome, welcome to Reaching Out Radio. Again, this is your sister Pearl. I haven't been with you for some time, but I'm so grateful to the Lord, number one, and to our, our, our beautiful host, Evangelist Montel Fields. Thank you, Evangelist, for inviting me back to be uh, on the broadcast with Kingdom Perspectives. What a privilege it is for me. And I can say that God has been truly faithful since the last time that I was on. He remains faithful. He remains good. He remains awesome. He's just wonderful. And um, I'm so happy for that song that we just heard from our brother from South South Africa. His name is Brother Jonathan Butler. And what a tremendous uh, songwriter he is. Um, guitarist, just tremendous man of God that's gifted, singing a song that God gave him entitled, You Are My Everything. And I tell you, that's the testimony of my life. Jesus Christ is my absolute everything. I wish I could actually have an opportunity to give each and every one of you your own microphone. I would ask you this very important question. Who, whom shall I turn to? Whom shall I go to? Whom shall I look to? In a world where everything is going topsy-turvy, in a world where you can wake up one way in the morning and maybe in the next half hour or even less than that, your whole world could be turned upside down. Um, for those that have been devastated by the hurricanes that have happened recently in our part of the world, whether it's Hurricane Harvey or or Irma or whatever, I just want to tell you that you're in our prayers, you're in our hearts. Um, the Lord loves you, and even though what has happened has happened, God does have a plan for your life. And the plan that he has for you is for good. It's not to destroy you. It's to allow you to come to know him, whom to know is life eternal, and to know his goodness and to know his His grace, his kindness, his care, his abundance. And so I just want to start this program by just praying, inviting the Holy Spirit to have his way. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for another opportunity to be called your children. Thank you, God, for giving us this privilege through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be here tonight. And I pray for everyone that is listening. You know them. You know them intimately. You know them better than they even know their themselves. You know what makes them tick. You know what makes them upset. You know what makes them happy. You know what gives them joy. You know what puts a frown on their face. And, Father, I just pray that in this next uh, little bit under an hour that you will be most of all glorified, that your name will be lifted high above every other name, 
that you will glorify yourself, that you would make yourself manifest, that people that are in confusion tonight, or whenever they're listening to this radio broadcast, or listening on demand, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a God, He's real, He loves them, and He has a great plan for their lives, each and every one. And I believe that you love us so intimately that if you were to give your life just for one, you would do it. You would do it all over again if it, if it needed to be done. But thank God you don't need to do that because you did it once, and that was enough for everybody in humanity. We thank you, Father. Would you be honored and would you be glorified? Use your servant, use your maid, your maidservant, your handmaiden to be a blessing, O oh God, to somebody that needs to hear this word in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Okay, so again, thank you, Evangelist Montel Fields and Reaching Out Radio for this wonderful opportunity to be back on the broadcast, and we're going to go right into what God has given us for tonight. This word tonight is entitled, Lord, to whom will we go? Where are we going to go? And where does this come from? It comes from John chapter 6, in verse 67 and 68. Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so that's where we're going to have our scripture text for tonight. John chapter 6, specifically verse 68. When Peter asked the Lord, to whom are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? And that's the question for each one of us tonight. With everything that's going on, you know, the enemy will come and whisper in our ears, oh, you don't need to follow God. Uh, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do the next thing. You can just do your own thing. And you'll just be fine. Peter was a, was a, I think Peter was a lot smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Peter said, look, this was at a time when a lot of the people that call themselves disciples of Christ, all of a sudden when Jesus had given them what they seemed to feel as a hard saying, and I'm going to explain it in just a few minutes, when they heard something that seemed a little bit difficult for them to really swallow, all of a sudden they started bowing out and they started to leave Jesus. The Bible says that a lot of that, a lot of those disciples, in verse 66, it says, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more, no more. Well, let me give you a little bit of background history so that you can understand where Sister Pearl is coming from. Let's start. I'm just going to give you some history, a quick run-through of the entire chapter of John 6. Christ feeds 5,000 people. Now, remember, we're talking about him feeding 5,000 people with his disciples helping them. Remember, this is not the day of cars. This is not the day of, you know, everything that we know fast. This is not the, the Burger King, have it your way, um, or even like one of the famous older singers used to sing, I'll do it my way. 
this is not those days where you can just microwave something and then you can do it, or where you had like a hundred ovens and you could feed so many and so many people like a lot of our big catering services, big restaurants. So we're talking about more than 2,000 years ago, which by itself is a humongous feat. Christ feeds 5,000 people. Background. The people are with him just after he arrived from the Sea of Galilee. There was a great multitude that followed him. They loved watching the signs that Jesus would perform. They saw him heal the sick. A few of him, a few people that followed him saw him raise the dead. Um, he was just doing so many wonderful, miraculous things. And so people would always gather around him. And they really liked to be around him, not only to see the miracles, but they would always get fed because Jesus was very practical. If he had a lot of people around him, he was always concerned about how are they going to eat. You know, what are we going to do to feed these people? And again that happened. There was this huge crowd, great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, you know, you know, we need to get some stuff going on. We We, we need to, you know, get some bread to give these people. Where are we going to buy the bread to give these people? Now, Philip answered Christ and said, look, um, we don't really have enough money to buy bread for these 5,000 people. But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, look, there's a little boy here that has five barley leaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many people, 5,000 people? For Jesus being God incarnate, God in the flesh, God come down to dwell with men and women. Jesus said, make the people sit down. I love that. One of these days I would like to share that particular scripture portion with you because I love to preach on that. And usually what I preach about is that there's a boy here, make the men sit down. But that's for another night. I just want to tell you that Jesus used what that little boy offered, those five barley loaves and those two small fish. What he did was he broke it. He broke the bread. He took the bread with the fish. He lifted it up to heaven, offered it up in prayer to his heavenly father, and blessed it. Now, he told the disciples after he blessed those five loaves and two small fishes, he said, look, go now and feed the multitude. And that's exactly what happened. The disciples asked the people to sit down, and they began to feed a multitude of 5,000 people with just two small fish and five loaves of barley bread that Jesus blessed. And when God blesses something, he blesses something. Can you imagine that that food, that little bit of meal that that one young boy had that Jesus blessed, it was able to feed 5,000 people. Plus, there were 12 baskets with the fragments, with the remaining, with the leftovers, five 12 baskets, not five, I'm sorry, 12 baskets that held all the fragments all the leftovers that the people had already eaten from, and they were full to capacity. They didn't want any more to eat. They were satisfied. And then the disciples went around and picked up the leftovers and, and wound up with 12 whole baskets, enough to fill 
um, and feed some other people. So there you go. That's the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with just a very little bit of, of bread and two small fish. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the, the kind of a God that we serve, a God that is a miracle worker, a God that what looks small, what looks, you know, impossible, it's, it's very possible with God, with God. And so in Chapter 6, that's how it begins. Then we find out in Chapter 6, verse 15, um, he walks on water. The Bible says in verse 15, Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Why? Because his time was not, it was not time to be made king on the earth. And so Jesus just stole away by himself. And when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, they went over the sea toward Capernaum, it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. But when they rowed about three to four miles out in the boat, remember, just try to picture this in your mind. His disciples rowed in the boat about three to four miles out, so they're quite away from the shore. They're sitting in their little boat. And what do they see? They see Jesus walking on the sea, coming near to them in the boat. They were afraid. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. This is the kind of God that we serve, a God who can take two small fish, five small loaves that belong to a little boy, bless it, and then Use that portion to feed over 5,000 people with 12 fragments of baskets left over. Can you imagine? Now, the same God is walking on water. This is the same Jesus. Has the ability to walk on water. Then he says later on in verse 22, the same chapter 6 of John, on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. You know, they were figuring out, okay, something's going on. Where'd you come from, Rabbi? You know, we know that when they went to get on the boat, you were not with them. We see them come back now, but you're with them. This is the God that we serve miraculous God. He's not limited by time and space. He's God. He's the God that breathed life into you and to me. He's the God that spoke the world into existence. This is who our God is. Jesus answered them in verse 26 and says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me because you saw the signs, but because you, 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 you seek me not because you saw the signs, excuse me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on you. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? 
Jesus answered and said to them in verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore he said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? You know, I mean, let's just stop right there. What other sign do they want? These are the same people that just experienced Jesus blessing two small fish, five small barley loaves, and feeding 5,000 people. That's not a miracle. That's not sign enough. They know that he did not get into the boat with his disciples, but yet he landed with his disciples, so they, they must have imagined that somehow he got to his disciples on the boat in a supernatural way. And yet they're still asking him for another sign. Then he says, you know, what sign really are you looking for? What work, you know, really what do you want? Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out, meaning by no means will I throw him away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all who he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I want to stop right here before I continue. We're in 2017. Let's just keep it real. The world has just experienced so much. We've heard of earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, people in their homes minding their business or going to work in one condition, and within minutes, everything for those particular people, everything has changed. Some people lost their homes. Some people lost their family members. Some people lost their vehicles, their property, buildings, um, their cattle, their, their all kinds of things, planes, boats. You know, things have happened. Whole communities, some small islands like Barbuda and other islands, devastated. Puerto Rico, a lot of places. Mexico. With the earthquake, hundreds of lives lost just like that. So at the end of the day, everybody's wondering, wow, where do I go? Who do I turn to? Uh, who, who can I look to? What can I depend on that remains constant, that remains unmovable, that remains sure, that remains fixed? There's only one. It's this Jesus that I'm talking about tonight, the one who says, I am 
the bread of life. What does that mean? Let's let's talk about it just a bit. You know, in the Old Testament, God gave his people Israel manna. That was a literal uh, thing that they could eat, a substance. It was actually called, what is this? Or what is it? But it was manna. It was something similar to a wafer. And the people would receive it straight from heaven, straight from God. God would send it down and feed the people so that they would have sustenance. But now in the New Testament, Jesus says, look, I am the bread of life. I'm what you need. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Moses gave you bread, but I'm the bread that the Father has sent from heaven. And some people were debating, well, you know what, we, we know this Jesus. Wait a minute, we, we know his father, we know his mother. Where does he get off saying that he is the bread of life and that he is sent from God? Well, he is sent from God. He was sent from God. He is God. But he was explaining to them that they need to partake of him. He is who they really need. The people used to follow Jesus all around because they were looking for something to eat. And they're no different. Those people back 2,000 years ago, they're no different than we are today in 2017. We're still looking for something to eat, not necessarily physically, but we're a hungry bunch. Let's face it. We're a hungry bunch of people. Anytime you can have a football stadium filled with thousands and thousands of people, and basically what they're doing is they, they want to see some, some men throw around a football and play the sport football, and they're so excited about it, and they're so, you know, going crazy about it. They get angry if their team loses or you know, some other team wins, and then they get ecstatic when their team wins. These are people that are looking for something. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sports. Sports is great. That's wonderful. But sports is not to be our God. Sports is, is, is to be in its place. Some other people, they're hooked into pornography. So they spend all day long, you know, every spare minute, hooked into some sick, porno site because that now has become their thing. That's become their idol. Lust has taken over. They don't realize that they're hungry. What it is is that they're really hungry. They're starving, but they don't understand what they're hungry for or, more importantly, who they're hungry for. Then you've got other people. You know, they, they, they're trying their best to make it through the day, you know, just like everybody else, they've got problems, they've got concerns. Sometimes they're good times, sometimes they're bad things going on, but they can't cope. They, they don't know what to do with themselves. So for them to cope, they need alcohol or, or they need a drink. And it's usually not just one dose of a drug or one bottle or one glass of a drink, they need more and they need more and they need more to make them so saturated that they lose themselves and then they feel that they can, quote, unquote, cope. Jesus said, look, I'm the bread of life. 
Basically, if you don't have me, you don't have life. Bottom line. Then, then you've got gamblers. You've got people uh, going to the casinos. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. Some people will spend their last cent and then beg you for all the money you've got. And if you're silly enough to give them your money, then they'll take your money or they'll steal They'll do anything possible to try to get the money so they can continue to gamble because they just want to make that one big, you know, killing. They want to make that big buck, and then they're happy. And then they're only happy for a little time, and then they have to gamble again. But bottom line is they're hungry. They're hungry for something. They're, they're not satisfied in their life. They're not fulfilled there's a lack. There's something missing. Then you've got your workaholics, the people that they're not satisfied to work eight hours a day. They've got to work, you know, 18 hours a day. They've got to work so that they can make enough money to get whatever they need. And then when they get that, they've got to make some more money to get some more things that they need. They don't have time to spend with their, their wives and their children. Or if it's a woman, they don't have time to spend with their husband or, or their children. They, they've got to let other people take care of their family. Then the family breaks up, and then they start, they marry somebody else, and they start the whole cycle again. Why? Because they're hungry. They're hungry. They're missing something. Something is lacking. Something's not right. Jesus said to the people that followed him, the multitude, look, I am the bread of life. I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you need. It's me. And Jesus even told his disciples that if you want to live, if, if, if you really want to have life, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. See, we're called believers, Evangelist Montel, myself, other Christians. We're called believers because we believe in God and we believe his word. And he says in his word in John chapter 6 that unless we eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, we don't have any life in us. Whoever eats of my flesh and drinks in my blood, you have eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. None as your fathers ate the manna, and they're dead. He who eats this bread, meaning himself, will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, I'm reading from John 6, and I'm going to read verse 60. Well, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, Wow, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The life profits nothing, 
The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. In other words, nobody can really come to Christ unless the Father allows them to. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So many of his disciples left Christ when they heard this saying, that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So Jesus then turned to his 12 disciples, the 12 that he personally called. He says, do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is where I want to stop right here. For those of you wondering if you should stay with God, the question is, where on earth else are you going to go? You heard Jonathan Butler sing the song, Lord, you are my everything. When the house is gone, whether I lose it through a flood or through foreclosure, when that's taken away, when that's gone, I still have you. When a leg is gone, an arm is gone, an eye is gone, whatever, I've got you. When a loved one is gone, I've got you. When a car is gone, I've got you. When the job is gone, I've got you. When the wife, the the husband, the children have left, I've got you. You never leave me. You never forsake me. You remain God, and you remain loving me. In you I live. I move. I have my being. It's because of you that that I'm alive, God. And when we know Jesus in a real way, we have life. Outside of Christ, we don't have life. We might look good, you know, we might look presentable. I remember I was on a Facebook, uh, I was commenting on somebody else's post when the first hurricane hit Harvey. And one woman wrote, and she said, wow. Uh, somebody better come up with a good answer because this this hurricane sure doesn't make Christianity look good. And I said, what? The hurricane does not make Christianity look good? What in the world is she talking about? First of all, notice that she didn't talk about it doesn't doesn't make Buddhism look good. It doesn't make Islam look good. It doesn't make Hindu look good. It doesn't make atheism look good. No, she said it doesn't make Christianity look good. And I said, well, first of all, and I think she said it doesn't make Christ or Christianity look good, the hurricane. Okay, and then somebody else said, oh, well, you know, God has nothing to do with that. He has nothing to do with the rain. He has nothing to do with anything like that. Well, beg your pardon, but God has everything to do with everything. And certainly he's in control of the weather. He'll have the last say. 
I don't know why we had the hurricane. I, I, I'm not God, and I don't understand a lot of things. I, don't, I can't give you an answer for a lot of things because I'm finite. God is infinite. He understands. He knows. He understands why he allowed a, 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 a Harvey to hit Houston. I've got some ideas, but I'm not going to discuss those ideas tonight on this radio program. However, I would say this. Um, Jesus looks very good. Christianity looks very good. Because why? The major things that move this world in a positive way is because of Jesus, number one. And number two, if it weren't for Christianity, we wouldn't have hospitals, we wouldn't have schools, we wouldn't have orphanages, we wouldn't have a lot of the things that we have in this world that are good and positive because God used his people, raised up his people, to start these institutions, these caring and educating institutions. They were all started by believers. Some of them are not being carried out by believers right now, but our major universities, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, who do you think started these things? Christians. And the real reason was to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who do you think started the first hospitals? Christians. So Christianity continues to look good. Now, what does not look good, and then nobody commented after I wrote this part, I said what does not look good is what we do. What we do does not look good as a people. What we do does not look very nice at all. So we've got a lot of nerve talking about what Christianity looks like. Let's talk about what we do as a people, as a nation. Some of the things that we do, like promote things that God despises, that God hates, that God is grieved about. And when we have legalized killing the unborn, stabbing, vacuuming, choking, you know, boiling, cutting, choking, when, we, when we've legalized stuff like that, do we look good? Do we really look good? No, but this is who we are as a people without God. Without God, the Bible says our hearts are wicked, desperately wicked. This is who we are, and this is why we need God, and we need him desperately. Because we're a people that outside of God do not look good and are not nice. We do some nice things. Sometimes, but I mean, at the core, we're a needy people that need God. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus, into the world so that we would have life, and we only have life through his son. I love that question that Peter asked the Lord. When, when, when Jesus asked him, well, are you going to leave me too? And he said, but, but Lord, we're, to whom are we going to go to? Who else are we going to, who, who can we turn to? You're the only one who has life for us. People right now are looking to our president. God bless president. I, I'm in America, so I'm going to say God bless President Trump. He's our president, our president currently. God bless him. But he's not our answer. God bless the Queen of England. God bless the Prime Minister of England. They're not the answer for the English people. God bless whoever your prime minister is, whoever your president is. They're not your answer. 
God bless this party, the next party, whatever political party. They're not the answer. They're not the answer. And if we don't know that in 2017, we're really dull. We're very dull with all the promises that are made and not kept. We should know by now that just a human person on their own merit, no matter how many good things they do, they're not our answer. Even our own husbands, our own wives, our own children that we love dearly and that love us dearly, they fail us. They're not the answer. And I know we live in a world that, you know, everything is about, you know, self-worth and self-this and self-the next thing. That's good to, to a limit. But if you're just relying on yourself for your worth, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Because at, at the end of the day, at some point, at some juncture, you're going to fail yourself. Then what? So, you know, if you really want to enter into life, if we really want to know what life is, we can't divorce ourselves from the only one who is life, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He didn't mean that they should become cannibals and physically start biting on him and physically start, you know, eating his physical flesh and drinking his physical blood. He was not promoting to be eaten alive. No. What he was saying is you need to partake of me. You need to, the same way that you're eating this bread, this physical bread that I just blessed and gave you, understand that I am the bread of life, that you on your own are nothing outside of me. If you want to live, if you want to have life, you need me. I love the I am's of God because he said back in the Old Testament, I am that I am. He said this in Exodus. I am that I am. When the question was asked, well, who should I say? Moses said, ask the Lord, who should I say has sent me to the people? And God said, tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. And then in John, all over John, we see him say that I am. He starts out with I am the bread of life. I'm what you need to live. And he who comes to me will never be hungry again. So he says, I am the bread of life. Then he says again, in John chapter 8, we're talking about another I am of God. I am the light of the world. People are in darkness right now. I mean, really, they're confused. Some people are in literal darkness. We know some of, the, some of the many islands in the Caribbean that were hit, they don't have electricity. So they know what it is to be in physical darkness. I also know what that's like. I've been in remote areas in China where we had no electricity, and maybe there was something wrong with the little bit of um, natural light that we were using through bamboos or whatever that were lit. Uh, we just had no light. And so I know what it is to be in darkness physically, literally, 
and all of us know what it is, you and me, to be outside of Christ. We're in darkness in the world. Without Christ, we are in darkness. We're trying to make our way. Can't quite make it because we can't see properly. We think what we, what we see over there looks like, oh, that looks like light, and then we go closer. It's not light. It's dark. It's darkness. It's ugly. But Jesus says, look, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I'm what you need so that you can walk properly. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So not only is he the bread of life, he's the light of the world. And when we have Jesus, we're able to come out of darkness and we have his light, and then he makes us lights in this world. Amen. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the bread, I'm the light. And then he says, look, in John chapter 10, the third I am, Jesus says, I am the door. John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. I hear people saying, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this world. Why am I here? Where am I going? Uh, which door should I choose? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That means you'll be satisfied. You'll be taken care of. But you've got to come through the right door. So many people that are listening to this broadcast tonight you are trying and knocking on the wrong doors. Those doors are going to lead you astray. Those doors have already led you astray. Jesus is the only right door. I mean, God love Oprah Winfrey. As my pastor said today in the service where he preached, he said she was a great, she's a great entrepreneur. We don't take that away from her. The woman is a great businesswoman. However, as my pastor said, she should stay in her lane. She's not a theologian. She is completely out of order when she says that you don't need to just go through Christ. You can go any way that you want. You can, you, there's a hundred ways to go to God. That, my friends, my listening audience, is a lie. They're not a hundred ways to go to God. There's only one, <laughs> only one right way to go to the Father, and that is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All who have ever come before me are thieves and robbers, and anybody coming after him is a thief and a robber, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I repeat, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that they may have life, and they might have it more abundantly. He also says, look, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd's already done that. 
Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the only one that could have laid down his life for you and for me. Because you and me, we needed, and I still need Jesus. You still need Jesus. I was in sin. You were in sin before you met Christ. And if you have not met him yet, you are in sin. And so we need Jesus to give his life, which he did, on the cross. And taking our place, I'm the one that should have been up on that cross because I'm the one who sinned against the holy God. You're the one who sinned against God. We sinned against God. And sin demands a penalty. The penalty is death. Jesus took my place on the cross. Jesus took your place. On the cross It had to be Jesus Couldn't have been anybody else Because he was the only one That lived a sinless life Blameless before the heavenly father Only his blood was innocent And would be accepted Before a holy God If I went on the cross As much as I might have good intentions It couldn't help me It couldn't help anybody else Because I'm blood guilty My blood is guilty Your blood is guilty. I've been to the Philippines nine times, and one of those times they had this thing around resurrection time where some of these men were going and impaling themselves on crosses for like, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. And I remember preaching that same Sunday I was there and saying, what an insult to a holy God. It's like saying, you know, Jesus, what you did on the cross was not good enough, so let me go up and, and, and let, me, let me see what I can do. How dare we? Who do we really think we are? No, Jesus alone is the one who can pay the penalty for our sin. You cannot pay for your own sin, and I cannot pay for mine. And thank God that his son, the Lord Jesus, was willing willingly gave his his life as a sacrifice so that I might have a right to the tree of life, so that I might have a right to eternal life through Christ. Amen. He's also the true vine. The true vine. This we learn in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 starts out by saying, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, That does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I have a way of saying, but without Christ, we can do nothing good. Without Christ... We can do nothing good. Now, some things we can do on our own, it it, it comes out to no good. It comes out to no good. Only with Christ, only with Christ can we do something that will please the Heavenly Father. When we move through, when he moves through us and we allow him to move in us, then we can please God. When we abide in him, and have his words abide in us, 
We can ask what we desire, and it's going to be done for us. I'm telling you, this is why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Because even when we need things in our life, we need to be abiding in Christ so that he can be working in and through us and we can get what we need. We don't follow God to get stuff. But when we have God, it all comes together because we have life. We have life when we have God. And so he is the true vine. If we want to do the right things, we've got to be connected to him. We can do a lot of things apart from him, but they won't come out to any good. It won't come out to any good. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, all of us in life, we lose loved ones from time to time. That's just, a, that's just reality of living. I mean, I've lost loved ones. I'm sure my listening audience, you've lost loved ones. And if you haven't experienced that yet, you will. Uh, unless we're raptured, we're going to, our life, this, this, this temporary life, we're going to have our lives, this, you know, mortal life is going to stop. And we're going to pass away. But eternal life that is, is going to always be, and we're never going to die. Spiritually, we're always going to be alive. Those of us that have Jesus Christ only. Those of us that have the bread of life and, and partake of him, we're going to live eternally. And that doesn't begin when we die. That begins right now at the point where we receive Christ as our Savior. And Jesus said, contrary to what Oprah Winfrey said, I am the, meaning the only, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody. It's nobody else. There's this new individual. I don't know what his name is. I can't remember. I think he's in Russia or some country near Russia. And all he, he doesn't speak. He just looks at people. And he's got thousands of people would just gather to just have him gaze on them. May I be honest with you? He's a false Christ. He's not going to help anybody. He's just going to take people's money. He, 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 he's not Jesus. There was only one Jesus, and he's coming back. Are we ready? If you're confused and you're wondering, well, you know, I really, you know, my whole life is confused. I, I just don't know. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to turn to? What should, what should I believe in? What should I be doing? The only true answer is you need Jesus. Just like I need Jesus and everybody that's listening to my voice and to this program needs Jesus. Bottom line. I am the bread of life, he said. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Yes, things are going to go sometimes. Possessions are going to go. Possessions are going to come. People are going to go. People are going to come. Friends are going to go. Friends are going to come. Um, your youth is going to come. It's going to go. That's the way of life. That's just the way it is. Let me just pray with you. This is What I've talked about tonight is not about religion. It's not about, you know, join this church, 
um, give this amount of money. No, none of that. We're talking about life and where where am I going to really go for the answers? There's only one place to go, and that's to God. And who is God? Jesus is God. Jesus came down, wrapped himself in human flesh, and then we saw who God was. Jesus is God. Now he's back with his heavenly Father, but he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of those people that will repent of their sins and invite him in. Let me pray with you in the remaining two minutes that we have. And I pray, or three minutes, I pray that that you would be so encouraged to know that there is a God that left all the splendors and glory to come to a world where he knew he was going to be despised and rejected of the very people that he came to. They spat on him. They turned on him. They crucified him. But through all of that, he still loved them. And he still loves you no matter what you've done. No matter what you've done. You might have cursed God. He still loves you. Would you just cry out tonight? Just realize that you've done it your way for so very long. Isn't it time to just give up and say, oh, God, I need you? You know, some of those people that were crying out in Mexico, they were taped as the buildings were crushing them, and they were saying, Oh, Dios, mi Dios. In Puerto Rico, I heard it too. Mi Dios Santo. Why? Because at the end of the day, we need Jesus, and we know we need God. Why don't we just stop? Stop all the mess and just keep it real and just honest, be honest and humble ourselves and cry out to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're a great God. We thank you that you're a merciful Savior. We thank you, Lord God, that you are powerful and you can do everything that we need done in our lives, oh God. You're what we need. And we want to drink of your blood and eat of your flesh. We want to partake of you. We want you to be everything that we need. And you said, I am. Everything that you need, that's who I am. You need love, I'm love. You need light, I'm light. You need bread, I'm bread. You need a shepherd, I'm the shepherd. You need to see, I'm the light. You need water, you need a drink, I'm the water. Everything. You're hungry, I'm, I'm the bread. Everything that we need is who you are, God. Help us to see that more and more as we come closer to your soon return. Father, for those that have been on the line and maybe, you know, not fully decided if they want to follow you, I pray that they will say yes to you tonight. Give them the strength, Lord, to say yes to you, no to the devil. From this moment on, bless them, I pray. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Sister Pearl loves you. And so does everybody. Evangelist Montel feels I can speak for her. Reaching Out Radio, we love you. God bless you. Have a good night. Bye-bye.